When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Spins, drives on in the corner. Cunningham a three. It's good. Brock knocks it down. His first shot. And the Horns back within three of 14-11. Rice to Allen. Trying to dribble, penetrate. Sends it out to Cunningham. Shoots a three. Good! Instant offense. Brock Cunningham. Eight quick points off the bench. And the game is tied at 16. Here's Carr on the left side. Can Texas convert? Marcus drive in. Kicks in the corner. Rice for three. Good! They needed that one. Timeout, Oklahoma. 7.26 to go. The Horns are back within two. Here's Carr to the right side. Marcus out to Brock Cunningham. Into the corner. Rice shooting a three. Good! Jamari Rice, the three-pointer of the game, is tied at 67. Longhorns looking for the lead. Outside Rice wants another three. Has another three. NBA range three. Timeout, Oklahoma. Car into the front court. Gets a take away. To the left side to Timmy Allen. Guarded by Jalen Hill. Trying to drive past Hill. Does, but then cut off to DeSue in the paint again. Blocks another and scores. Another floater. Good job of knowing where he is. Not the foul. They go up strong. 12 for DeSue. Longhorns back in front. 77 75. Car knocked the ball loose. Talent back to Marcus. He'll lay it in. Timeout, Oklahoma. Texas. A lightning strike, 6-0 run, and they're up four with 3.22 to go in overtime. Sherfield to bring it into the front court. Tamilo Shusan trying to roll around on the dribble. Stops, drops it to O.A. He hit the floor, lost to Cunningham, coming away with it. To Rice, lead pass front court. Allen, a crossover, gets the bucket and one! What a great crossover move by Timmy Allen. Split into the fence, got the bucket, drew the foul on Sherfield. Oklahoma inbounds with 6.8 to go, running the baseline. Hill looking, still looking, inbounds. Here comes Hill down the floor, four seconds, three, carried the ball, got away with it, two seconds, one, shot put up, no good. Longhorns win. Godwin missed it in the lane. Jalen Hill carried the ball to the right side. There was no call. Flipped it to Godwin. He missed the shot right in the lane. The Longhorns survive in overtime. 85-83. Harmon quickly into the baseline. Jumper from there off the rim. No good by Gonzalez. Offensive rebound. Hattie Fye does it again. Our fourth stick back of this first quarter. Harmon has it on the right side. Out to Shaley Gonzalez. Behind a Gaston. Screen for three. And Shaley buries the three-pointer to the right side. Once more, it works to Gaston. 
Now across the floor. Harmon has a one to shoot. Fade away. Jumper good at the shot clock buzz. Hattie looking now coming off the screen. Gonzalez 10 to shoot. Into Gaston. Muscles her way in to make it off the glass. In the left corner. Anissa Gutierrez trying to get her a shot. Down the three to two. When a ton has a launch of three and nails it. Well, of course she did. It's that kind of day for Texas today. The Longhorns pick up win number 21. They are still tied for first place in the Big 12 Conference standings with the showdown in Norman coming up next Saturday. Final score this afternoon from Moody Center in Austin, the Texas Longhorns 74, the West Virginia Mountaineers 48. Pretty successful weekend on the hardwood. On the diamond, eh, different story, at least for baseball. Softball did really well. Action-packed weekend is what it was. And with that, we welcome you to Light the Tower. On the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Always happy to be joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County. And not only that, a proud graduate of Florence High School. Very proud. They knew him. As Highway 79 in his days of wearing the purple and white jersey number 79 as an honorable mention all-district offensive lineman for the Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. Most importantly, Charlotte update. Double ear infection, but she's getting over it. She's okay. much better. It was much better Saturday and was well enough yesterday to go to the rodeo for a little bit. So. Hey, good. Good. At the petting zoo. We went to see the, the pigs and the cows in the barn. So we're... Yeah, it's 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 getting better. Went down that road with all four of my kids. I know that deal. When you get that ear rate, there's probably an infection involved there, and glad it was yeah. nothing that that uh, antibiotics can't handle. Right. The worst part was me having to uh, clean up. Let's just say some some bodily fluids uh, yep. in the car on Friday. So, oh, that happens. Two thumbs up for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A lot of Lysol, Clorox yeah. wipes. Oh, there you More go. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Little for little for breeze, and we're we're good to go. <laughs> Now, nobody, hey, nobody told me to get my fluids before I came in this morning at risk of dehydration. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, as, as, as we bring in the program, you may be able to hear if you listen very, Here, I'll very put my mic carefully. over there. Hold on. Yeah. Listen really, really closely. What that is, that is the sound of a fan, like a cool air fan, not an oscillating fan. The reason is in this studio this morning, you could roast marshmallows. <laughs> it's, it's been, it was really warm. The funny thing about it is, is Bucky and Aaron did an entire show with the door closed. Uh, Bucky in a hoodie. Yeah, like, Bucky said, old people like it warm. I'm like, first off, it's not the geriatric ward in here. Second yeah. off, there's a difference between warm and Whew. me feeling like I got a fireball thrown in my face when I wow. opened the door. So anyway, there was a... And I'll, look, with respect to Bucky and Aaron... Those two did an entire show one time with dog crap in the corner, and neither one of them smelled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awareness, right? <laughs> so they went all the way through it. So anyway, they're they're uh, they're done. So we're, anyway, we're trying to cool off a little I, bit. Here. I had to raise the red flag on Deucegate. Yeah, you did. I'm glad you did do that. On the other side of the glass, is I don't know a, if our produ- our esteemed producer is familiar with Deucegate. Cameron Parker's there. Are you familiar with Deucegate? Yes, I was producing Chad and Trey. 
that day. Oh, back in the day with the Deuce Gate. Good old Deuce Gate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cam Parker, our producer, back. It's not. It's not hot in there, is it? No. Okay. No, it's it's fine in here, but it it is a sauna in in y'all's room. <laughs> it's a sauna. It's it's a, it's 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 actually. If it were a sauna, we could kind of like sweat through it. And all that. It's like a real desert dry heat, is what it is there. So anyway, we're gonna, uh, we got fans blowing in here. We trying motor to cool on. It off we got the door bit. open. Yeah. Hope you're feeling all right. Hope you're doing all right. Hope CB's feeling better. Says he's got COVID. So, oh, CB got the Rona? Yeah, got it. Uh, oh. They said everybody uh, that I live with had it. Then I finally caught it two weeks after getting the latest booster. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, sometimes that happens. It's like right after you get the booster. And I'm, because they say it really takes three weeks for the full booster to take full effect. That's like when, when people around you start getting the flu, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go get the flu shot. Ah, you're too late at that point. Yeah. I'm, the it's our the oven has already started. It's like uh, that cake that cake just went in. I always love that line from Mash where Hawkeye Pierce says to says to a Hot Lips Hulahan who gave him that shot for the flu. He goes, "You remember that shot you gave me the flu? Yes. Well, it worked. I've got it. <laughs> you know that kind of thing." So so anyway, get well, CB Craig. You've been knock on wood. You've been vaccinated and boosted and the whole bit. Yeah. And you, you have. Are you the only one up here that's avoided? The Rona, I think I think you and Rod Babers. I know. I don't think Rod's had it. Well, I tell you what, I pale by comparison, and I don't just mean that in terms of our our races and our pigmentation, but I mean by a large measure to Roderick Babers when it comes to the sanitary procedures, the sanitation procedures he took to protect himself throughout all of this. Rod still carries around his, his Rona kit. He's he got does his, his Lysol and his wipes. Sprays down, wipes down, all that other kind of stuff. He still does that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So like I said, I, I you know, I've been vaccinated and tried to be careful. And whenever I had to wear a mask, I wore a mask when I was required to or needed to or thought it was, you know, I did. Cameron, have you have you got you got the Rona yet? or Just no? once. Just once. Okay. All right. So you're right. I don't think I'm trying to think of everybody. I don't know has, if Harge has or not. Yeah, right. Uh, just about everybody. Bucky I, I, had, Bucky's had it. Aaron's had it. Chad's had it. I don't know about Zay. I don't know about Zay either. Yeah, okay. Hopefully he has it. Hopefully you're doing well. Uh, <laughs> Big Crip fan says, if you ain't sweating, you ain't working. Well, we're working it this morning. So there's, there's uh, you know, that's... <laughs> so he said, y'all have more problems with AC, almost every vaccinated person I know got the virus. Uh, that happened in a, lot, in, in a lot of ways. And I know people who didn't get vaccinated who didn't get it. But I know most of the people I know who did get vaccinated didn't get it. Uh, and I know a lot of people who didn't vaccinate who did get it. it, it it's it, I've looked at that as being almost a lottery, you know, depending on your own personal thing. It's not a lottery you want to win. No, <laughs> no. So anyway, uh, it, it it just it just happens. Can I uh, can I uh, share something I was going to share with the listening audience? Going with my do- with my daughter getting sick last week, and yeah, I realized over the weekend and again this morning, I'll be forty in September. Yes. Craig, and my body's starting to break down on me. I'm starting to fall apart. Oh, stop it already! No, no, no. I'm serious. <laughs> so I remember uh, John Medani. Remember uh, this was probably about 10, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. Remember when Medani had that meniscus surgery and he I said do. every time he would take a step up or a step down, his knee would catch? Yeah. 
I've got that going on in my right knee. I've had it going on for a couple months now, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Do you worse. think that that's part of some uh, deterioration from your football playing days? No, I never had knee problems back then. Mm. I think this is more of my arthritis condition that I've okay. developed as I've gotten older, and Lord knows how long I've had it now that I've pieced everything together. But over the weekend, I've, I've always had bad shoulders, mm-hmm. and I was washing dishes, of all things, on Friday, and I'm scrubbing with my right shoulder. By the time I'm done, I, I couldn't pick up my right shoulder. Wow. I just had to go sit down for a minute and let it kind of get some feeling back in it. And, you know, about 10, 15 minutes later, I was like, okay, I'm good. And then I slept. On, I just didn't, didn't do anything. I slept on my left shoulder. And, man, it felt like somebody was just grinding my shoulder joints together this morning. So it was just, I was like, dude, I'm falling the heck apart right now. Yeah, I, I understand it. My, How's your sack doing, by the way? My elbow, the bursa, yes, or as you would say, the sack. It's it's doing better. Oh, still. you're you're whoa, it's you're clearing up, isn't it? Infinitely better than you were. Yeah, it's clearing up. Still sore. It's post, a, in the in 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 the wrist injury and in the elbow, and that that happened three weeks ago. Did you ever get you one of them cool sleeves? I did. Yeah. I did. I wore it for a while, and it was a little tight up top, and so Linda made a nice little cut, little incision, kind of loosen it up up there. But uh, And it worked. It, it, she ordered it for me. You know, I think, I think, Linda is the queen of Amazon, you know. I think we can get you some non-traditional revenue by selling the Craig Way shooting sleeve. Yeah, right. So anyway, it, it, it worked. I'm feeling feeling better on that. Uh, somebody else is uh, on the Specs text line at 337-3776. Is same here. It's agony. And uh, it said, knee keeps popping out. Yeah. Uh, just, apparent, but apparently on the I, – I, 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 by the way, folks, don't don't WebMD your symptoms. It'll take you down a rabbit hole. You just don't want to go down. Apparently, if your pain is on the sides of your knee, yeah. that's a meniscus issue. But if it's on the front, like where I've got it, apparently that's that's a cartilage issue. Yeah. So I think yeah. mine is a cartilage issue, but that okay. doesn't – it. it Hurts like a mother. Like if I take a wrong step, it's like just I just get all kinds of searing pain in there. A pop and some searing pain. Uh, okay, let's let's kind of do the uh, roll call of events you were able to witness and did not witness over the weekend. So let me go down the list there. Did you get to see any of the baseball? That uh, you, by way, I know you weren't in Arlington, but did you get to see any uh, of the, the baseball? On, the only baseball I saw was yesterday. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I saw some baseball. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> saw some extended innings, did you? Yeah. Uh, okay, all right, uh, and we'll we'll circle back to that in a moment. Uh, obviously, you were at the men's I was, basketball I was at the game, game on Saturday. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Probably did a little check in, looking to see how the women were doing yesterday, and they, a bit, yeah. yeah, and they they routed West Virginia. Uh, big week for them. They, they, I kind of I, I didn't check in too much. They yeah. just kind of I kind of figured where that thing was yeah. headed. So yeah, they took command of it early. And and here's an interesting deal: they have their midweek Big Twelve bye this week, mm-hmm. so they don't have a midweek yep. game. They have this big showdown with Oklahoma for first place in the conference standings. Curiously and ironically enough, this week is also Oklahoma's midweek bye. And uh, and and Vic Schaefer wasn't real happy about the buy coming so late in the deal. I mean, they played, you know, uh, fifteen games now. Yeah. They're twelve and three in the conference, so they played fifteen conference games. So, uh, but as Kathy Harston pointed out at the end of the broadcast, I'm sure he won't complain. You know, when it was right near the end of the game, she she said in about another fifteen twenty minutes he won't complain because now they get it this week. He gave the players two days off last week, which is rare for them coming out of that, and because uh, they played four games in eight days, 
And they, I think they have another day off today, and then they're really going to put in the hard grind because it's not going to be easy going. They, they beat Oklahoma handily at Moody Center. But I say this, and I say this, and I say this, and it applies to both the men's game and the women's game. The home court is gigantic in this league. Uh, for folks who are just like amazed at what Kansas did on Saturday in the men's side against Baylor, and they were down 17 in the first half. And one by 16, they had a 33-point turnaround. 29 of those, they outscored them by 29 in the second half. Home court has a lot to do with it, a lot to do with turning around games. Uh, and and uh, we've seen it now. You know, If you can win a game on the road, that's a bonus. Uh, credit to Texas Tech coming off the win over Texas, going to Morgantown and beating West Virginia. You know, to your point, Craig, in conference play for the men, would you like to know who has the best conference road record right now? Uh it's either in, gonna, in Big Twelve play. It's either going to be I just, just pure guess. It's either going to be Texas or Kansas. Texas, Kansas, and Baylor are okay. all four and three. Yeah, the, that's the best road record in the conference. So, uh, so we're going to find how Kansas does on the road tonight in Fort Worth. Remember, yeah. TCU beat Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse when they had their full roster, and they they're pretty much back to the full roster. Getting Mike Miles Jr. back on Saturday, they scored a hundred and blew out Oklahoma State. Uh, but Kansas, uh, impressive turnaround. So watch that one tonight and see, because I think that's going to tell you quite a bit uh, about the stretch drive because Texas, Kansas, and Baylor all have difficult four-game stretches remaining. Of course, Baylor now is a game off the pace, having lost mm-hmm. to Kansas on Saturday. So Texas and Kansas are tied for first. And, of course, the Longhorns play tomorrow night at home against Iowa State. Then they go up I-35 to Waco on Saturday. They'll come back home. then go back up I-35 again the following Wednesday to play at TCU and then come home to play Kansas to conclude the regular season. You say, wow, what a stretch. They all have tough stretches right now. And it's the same on the women's side, too, where home court has absolutely dominated. So Texas, which which beat Oklahoma handily, I think they beat them by 25 in the game here, has to go to Norman, the Texas women do, to play OU after both had their midweek buys. The winner of that game is going to be up one with two games remaining and probably is going to have the inside track to winning the Big 12 championship, especially Texas, because they would own a regular season series sweep mm-hmm. above you if they did, and they could clinch no worse than a tie for the title and the number one seed in the conference tournament with a win the turnaround Monday on Big Monday against Baylor on senior night. So just looking at the men's side, probably saying Baylor's the cutoff of teams that have a legit chance to go win it. I mean, K-State yeah. and Iowa State are both 8-6. and six. A lot would have to happen. A lot would have to They A, have to run the table and then have to have some unusual things happen. Teams would have to be losing home games, which probably has proven to be, you know, not almost non-existent, but rare yeah. this year. Yeah. So yes, I think it's I think it's a three team, maybe a four team race with Iowa State, depending on what happens. But it's tomorrow's so important. Oh, for both. Yeah. Uh, big for Texas. It's pretty uh, much it's pretty much a, a regular season title elimination game for Iowa State. It is. They they would have to win and. Baylor tomorrow night plays in Manhattan. They're doing the the two game road turnaround like Texas did, only in the inverse. When the Longhorns won in Manhattan and lost on Big Monday to Kansas, they're doing the deal where they played uh, in Lawrence and they have one extra day, but they play tomorrow uh, in uh, in Manhattan. So uh, that's that would be an elimination game 
uh, for them in terms of the conferencing. One would almost expect it to be if they if they were to lose that contest. Were, were, how surprised were you? I know I know we're going to hit a break here in a minute. We'll get to our Longhorn Notebook at the bottom of the hour, but. How surprised were you the result of that Texas Tech-West Virginia game? Tech going on the road, going to Morgantown and getting a win. Yeah, I, well, they got Pop Isaacs back. Yep. That was a big part of it, yeah, I but, think. But Jalen Tyson had 27. Yeah, yeah. I think it I think it opened the floor for him yeah. a little bit more. And, um, and, you know, for all of that stuff about how dangerous uh, a tournament team Tech could be, and they're absolutely right, here's, here's the thing that you got to remember. Tech, Oklahoma, West Virginia – and then either TCU or Oklahoma State, and they have split their two regular season games after TCU's win on Saturday. Uh, that's a that's a huge finish for either one of those to finish in sixth, not seventh, because whoever finishes seventh, along with those other three, has to play on Wednesday. Meaning you have to win four games in four days to win the Big Twelve tournament. It's yeah. never happened. It's happened on the women's side. It's never happened on the men's side. Baylor Baylor got to the championship game. I think that's the closest anybody's gotten. Missouri got there. Yeah. Also, didn't Tech get there once? Uh, I know. I know that Baylor and Missouri got there, uh, winning three games in three days, and then and then hit the wall on the final know what? day. You might be right about Tech. Let me. I'll I'll double check okay, that. Right. But during the break, uh, yeah, and have an answer for you. But like Tech, if you look at their NCAA tournament resume, like they're fifty fourth in the net, and yeah. They're four and nine in quad one games. I don't think four quad one wins is going to get you over the hump. No, they need they need they would need to finish strong and then have a strong tournament to to have a shot. And again, the record's not that much above five hundred. I think Oklahoma's played its way completely out of that deal now, being below five hundred. Other than of course winning the conference tournament, they have to win it and get the automatic bid. So. So those two, West Virginia, I think, still has a shot, but that was a damaging home loss to Texas Tech. They needed a win there, and so they're kind of on the outside looking in, but there's still time for them. There's still time for Oklahoma State. Uh, But Oklahoma State and and TCU both understand the importance of not finishing seventh. If you can avoid it and finish sixth uh, to where the max you would play would be three games, even if you didn't win the tournament. And if you, you played three games and got to the final uh, that would uh, you know that would be big. So here here's the rest of Tech's schedule. They're at Oklahoma tomorrow. Okay. Saturday at home against TCU. Mm-hmm. Then they're at Kansas next Tuesday, mm-hmm. and their finale is in uh, at home against Oklahoma State on the fourth. Yeah, uh, two maybe three of those games I look as realistically winnable games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say TCU and Oklahoma State are winnable just because they're at home. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I and the OU game could be winnable uh for them i mean if you're a tech fan if you go three and one during that stretch you're 18 and 13 going into the got a shot. Tournament. yeah probably need to win a couple of games yeah. but but certainly with a shot to get in i that's why because this league has been the number one rpi uh net ranked conference in the country by far by far and, and did you notice the the comments that came out of the early reveal from the men's selection committee on Saturday when Texas was listed as the top number two seed, number five overall, Mm -hmm. the comments came not so much about the Longhorns, but about the Big 12. They said there's no mistaking the fact that the Big 12 Conference is having a fabulous year, I think the quote was. So they understand it. The committee understands that. So for for the teams that are either on the bubble or on the outside looking in, there's still hope. There's still time. I, I would say maybe 
Oklahoma is the only one for sure yeah. that you'd probably they'd probably have to win the tournament. Uh, they, you know, there's still time for Tech. There's still time for Oklahoma State. There's still time for West Virginia, uh, the, and and the uh, and the other six I think are in it. Uh, but they, you know, when obviously they don't want to stumble down the stretch and really damage their seed line. But but I think the other six are in after that. So I'm looking at Jerry Palm his his bracket projections this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got West Virginia in the first four. Oh, playing, playing, playing in Dayton. Dayton yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I don't know why this thing isn't cooperating with me right now. So yeah, last four in are West Virginia's in that group of last four in. Uh, Texas Tech not in that group of uh, first four out. Yeah, that's why I think they've got to keep. They, uh, I don't think they're they're, and I'm not even including the automatic if they were to win the Big Twelve term because again, it's just going to be so difficult for one team to win four games in four days to do it. And I don't think this is the year yeah. that that's going to happen. But that doesn't mean Tech can't get in. They're they're going to have to continue if they win tomorrow. Norman, they've won three in a row. Yeah. So you're taking note of that as well. But, you know, I'm not counting them out. I'm not counting Oklahoma State out. I'm not counting West Virginia out uh, of being able to get in as an at-large. They still have shot as an at-large, whereas Oklahoma, I think, has to win the conference right. tournament, unlikely, and, yeah. and would have to win that to get in. I think if, te- if Tech, let's say that scenario plays out, right, where they go 3-1 and one down the stretch, yeah. you win two games in Kansas City, you're twenty and fourteen. I've got to think a twenty-win team in the Big Twelve gets in as an at-large, especially if there are not a lot of bid stealers. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You got to. You, you know, you don't need mid-major bid stealers for say a league where the conference champion was probably going to get in, and mm-hmm. then it, you know that sort of thing. So. You know, that's 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 where that comes into play as well, which when, makes it all exciting. When I think about the Big 12 and basketball, I, I think of it how the committee views the SEC every year for the, for the NCAA yeah. baseball tournament. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt just because they're, they're the best league top to bottom. Yep. You know, like Ole, Ole Miss was the one last year. People are like, well, how did Ole Miss get in? I'm like, well, yeah. you start looking at the metrics and look at who they played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's understandable. And then they go and, and win the whole thing. Yeah, it, it can happen. All right, uh, we have Longhorn Notebook coming up. We, we do have uh, – the conversation with Rodney Terry. Also, later we we have one with Rory Harmon, a brief conversation with her after the uh, women's win yesterday. But what else we got coming on the notebook here? Uh, some Longhorn football coaches up mm-hmm. for some contract extensions. We'll get into that. Okay, that'll be up coming, and we'll continue with Life the Tower. Here on the Horn, uh, don't forget, also we have uh, Inconceivable later this hour. A lot to come uh, here on the Horn, 1049, 101.9 AM 60 We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. And Jeff Howe, light the tower. Nothing like a little Bob Seeger here to get you Monday going on. Rambling, gambling man. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, our man on behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker. Right now, it's time for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by our friend Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Be sure to check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. 
bowersockteam.com. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to help us get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is the person who can make that 10-day or less home loan approval guarantee. Uh, audio? Good. Yes, yeah. we have that. Let's uh, get, we start let's with basketball. Yeah. Of course, the Longhorns had the uh, airtight win over the Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday. And uh, when the game was over, Eddie Warren and I uh, sat down to uh, talk about it with Rodney Terry. And it was, it was this collective feeling of, whew, that that one was on the shelf and in the books. In this league, pretty much in any league in college basketball, but especially in this league, you're going to have some games like this, right, where the guys are playing hard but maybe not playing their best. You wind up in a real battle with a rival, wind up having to go to overtime. So much momentum and ebb and flow, and I guess the guys have to reach down inside to find something extra to secure the win. Well, we prepared to be in a, in a dogfight kind of game. We knew uh, the first game up at Oklahoma, you know, was a one-possession game. So when, when you're coming in, Porter was going to have his team ready to play, a well-coached team, and, and uh, coming off a big win, um, you know, we knew we were going to be in one of these kind of grinded-out kind of games. You know, early on, they, they were able to get a lot of the 50-50 balls and some balls, broken plays kind of went their way, and they probably shot 10-11 layups in the first half, you know, and uh, – uh, we just need to come back out in the second half and really try to put it on our defense. And I thought our defense kind of gave us a little bit of separation there to kind of close out the in regulation. Uh, but we also had to rev it back up again in overtime. Let me get your thoughts on the, the, three straight empty possessions near the end of regulation. And so they still have to get the three and get that, that bounce out, one of those 50-50 balls at Surefield. Did you want to get the timeout off the inbounds coming after they had hit it the three when Marcus was racing up the floor? No, you know what? Sometimes you, you do that and they're able to set their defense. They had no timeout. So if we, we give them a timeout, now they can set their defense and you draw a play up and you try to get it up the floor and you, you struggle just to get into half court, but you know, a lot of times you had the ball in your best player's hand. He had a chance to try to get downhill, uh, to get to the basket and win the game without having to, you know, letting them set their defense. Um, you know, really would prefer not to be in that position. Uh, you know, with uh, with us, uh, you know, a couple of empty possessions offensively. If we closed out a couple possessions there where we didn't turn, you know, not we had a turnover with Timmy there in the post. You know, we were trying to really play through him. You know, and everything. We kind of just closed that game out in regulation. You know, Rodney, I thought the key to tonight was balance. You had balance on your scoring because of the way they approached you. You had They were taking away your inside and outside. So your guys had to be patient and take up the balance. Yeah, we did. We had five guys in double-figure scoring. You know, I thought DeSue gave us gave us a great lift offensively. What they were trying to do every time Marcus came off the ball screen, we knew that they were trying to trap him. And uh, we needed to have a post guy that was ready to make a play. And especially when we're able to put shooters around those guys, you're able to, to kind of pick your poison on what you want to get done. You're tied for first for four games left. We know the grind continues. Iowa State coming in. They come up a loss at K-State. And then you got to go to Waco and you got to go to Fort Worth and, and, and then finish with Kansas. I know it's each game as it comes, but to, important to get this one win here with the grind still left, wouldn't it? Well, we're going to enjoy this one tonight. I mean, it's, it's a rival game. Uh, again, a game where, again, we had to come out and try to outcompete an Oklahoma team that we, we have a lot of respect for in terms of how hard they play and their preparation. Um, you know, so we're in job for one night and we'll turn our, turn our attention toward Iowa State. You know, they play really well up there at their place against us up there. So, you know, we'll be excited about a great challenge here come Tuesday night at home. Yeah, it'll be uh, quite the challenge. Just looking around this deal, I, I, I got an email that showed uh, some upcoming Big 12 games. I mean, everywhere you look, there are big games. Like Oklahoma State, Kansas State, this coming 
Saturday yeah. at Gallagher Iba. There's that's just an example. There's there's games like that, and the Longhorns have four of those remaining. I you know I didn't even think about it, Craig. I've because Texas is right in the thick of the title race, but I didn't even think about it until you brought it up this morning. If you're one of those teams that in Oklahoma State and Iowa State, you want to do everything you can to avoid being in seventh place. Yeah. You don't want to have to play. Nope. On that first day. Do not want to play on the first day. And I think the ones who are in the greatest danger of that are Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah. Uh, but. And Iowa State will be in that group. If, Iowa if State will Texas be in that group. The if they, yeah, absolutely. They will fall into that group. And Baylor could fall in that group if they lose to Kansas State tomorrow night. True. Yeah, because they'll be at six losses. So, yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, that's why it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crucial. By the way, on the women's side, the Baylor women. Are in a bit of a free fall. They've lost three in a row. They're seven and six in conference play. They lost at home in double overtime to Iowa State on Saturday. A lot of grumblings, folks, uh, on the Brazos not very happy with Nikki Collin right now. Yeah, things uh, things have not gone well. They've had the, the thing that's hurting them from everything that I've read and heard and watched the news conferences and things like that is that. Um, I heard Aaron use this term this morning, and and it, he used it to apply it to Oklahoma's men, and I think it applies to the Baylor women. They're finding ways to lose games late. Yeah. Uh, not not calling a timeout to advance the ball after a made bucket, which you can do yeah. in the women's game inside a final minute, turning it over in a game-tying three-pointer for the Sooners. There was that, followed by they had a couple opportunities in regulation or late in the game to put Iowa State away. Didn't guard Lexi Donarski on, on an open three, and she is lethal from beyond mm-hmm. the arc and hits it to tie it and get it uh, in overtime. So things like that happen, you know, and it, and it's it's kind of tough for them right now. And this is a brutal league, as we know, on both sides, men's yeah. and women's basketball. Uh, quick question as far as timeouts go. Do, do you like, you know, I'll go to Texas at the end of regulation. Do you, you Just you personally, because I, I know where, where RT probably leans because we've seen Texas in these situations. Do you prefer call a timeout and set something up, or do you like, hey, made basket, just go because maybe they don't have time to set their defense? I, I, I'm a person that doesn't like throwing a blanket over everything, but I'm also on record. People know that me, I'm a little more old school, uh, seeing it in ACC country where I've been more of the of the school of get the ball into the front court and call a timeout. Leave yourself, if you can, about three seconds yeah, okay. to set up, if you can, yeah. if you can. In that particular case, when that shot went through, there was 6.8 to go. Mm-hmm. And I get what Rodney Terry was saying, because, and that also comes from the Rick Barnes school yeah. as yep. well, about get it and go. And a lot of, and Oklahoma had no timeouts left. So it makes sense that you don't allow them to get back to set up their defense. Now, that said, I'm also of that old school of, yes. You don't want them to. You don't want to give them an opportunity to set up their defense. By the same token, you still have to make the shot, yep. and so you've got to be organized enough on offense. Now, I agree with him. You get the ball in the hands of your best player, Marcus Carr. You have to. You know. You have to trust that he can get it in a position to maybe hit a shot or find somebody. I thought Oklahoma did a really good job marginalizing him down the down the sideline where he couldn't get a clean shot. So. It, that's a split second decision. When you're crossing mid court, mm-hmm. and, and there's like at that by the time he's crossing mid court, it was like about three and a half. Uh, do you pull up and call the timeout, or do you do, try to see if he can veer in to get a shot away? He, it, as it turned out, he didn't get a good shot away because they they were able to force him into the corner. Yeah, but uh, I've always kind of been of that that mindset. I, I listen. 
I saw Rick Barnes do it. Now, he had a guy named Kevin Durant pulling the trigger on it, but I saw, I saw him do that uh, in a game in Lubbock against Texas Tech. I saw him do it uh, with Brandon Mouton, hit a turnaround. With the, they got it to midcourt, called a timeout, and had about 1.4 to go, inbounded to Mouton, mm-hmm. and he nails a shot yeah. to get the game in overtime. And, and I've seen Durant hit it some like that. And, and he had guys, A.J. Abrams, he had guys who would do that. Uh, it depends on the person and the time, time, score, situation. Marcus Carr is the guy into whose hands you want the basketball. The question is, can you get a quality shot away? They didn't there, but they wanted it in overtime. Yeah, your your call meets the that's the happy medium, right? Yeah. If if you can advance if you can advance and get a timeout and leave yourself two and a half, three seconds. And that's the difference between the men's game and the women's game that I think it, to me is is one of the things that the women's game uses that I'd love to see the men's game adopt. Because the women's game, they basically adopted it from the NBA. Mm-hmm. If you're inside a minute and the other team makes a basket, you can call timeout and advance the ball into the front court. And uh, that's why I was pointing out about Baylor. That that cost them in that one game. They didn't use the timeout to advance the ball in the front court. They threw the top ball in. It got intercepted and then kicked into the corner for the three-pointer to tie. But uh, I'd love to see that rule adopted for the men's game where you can call timeout. Yeah. Then if you're inbounding at midcourt with 6.8 to go, you got time. Do you, do you remember, is that, a, is that a FIBA rule as well? I think it is. And, okay. and, and, you have to, and, and you have to call it, then you can't take a dribble and call timeout. Right. You, you know why, this is the reason, the main reason, probably the only reason why I like the NIT, and I, I don't know why the NCAA does this. The NIT's played under FIBA rules. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Which I think is, I'm like, wow, this feels better, a little more fluid, a little more connected than the normal men's game does. So I, I don't know why the NCAA just doesn't go to FIBA rules for the men's game, period. But, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a yep. little football, Craig. we got coaches up for contract extensions now. you got, okay. if you include Tory Becton, which if you look at my story at Horns 24-7, no disrespect to Tory Becton because I said seven football assistant coaches Tory's kind of on his own deal as a head strength coach. Uh, but you've got Jeff Choate, Tashard Choice, Blake Gideon, Terry Joseph, P. Kwiatkowski, A.J. Milwee, Kyle Flood, Tory Becton, all getting contract extensions. Uh, you've got Choate, Choice, Gideon, Joseph, P.K., and Milwee. Their contracts, along with the contracts of Jeff Banks and Bo Davis, those contracts are going to expire now at the end of the 2024 season, so in February of 2025 is when those contracts will expire. Uh, you've got Kyle Flood, who gets a raise and an extension. I'll go through that here in just a second. But Kyle Flood has a contract now that's going to extend him through the 2025 season. Okay. So he's under contract until February of 2026. As far as the raises go, uh, Jeff Choate getting an 8.7% raise. He'll make two uh, $625,000 this season and six hundred seventy-five thousand next season. Kyle Flood six percent increase. That's going to take him to one point three two five million in twenty twenty-four and one point four million annually on his extension. Uh, and then AJ Milwe, who obviously the lead recruiter for Arch Manning, he's one of the biggest reasons why Arch Manning is at Texas. Uh, he's getting a, a significant bump, a thirteen point three percent raise to four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Over the next two seasons, and uh, and by the way, in case you need to some reminding, Bo Davis and Jeff Banks got extensions after last season, last off season. So you've got PK and PK didn't get a raise; he did get an extension though. You've got PK at one point seven million, uh, Kyle Flood making over a million, Jeff Banks 
that's going to make $1.1 million this year, and Bo Davis is right at a million. So you've got four assistant coaches uh, making a million plus dollars, a million dollars or more annually. So that's, I think that shows you. And I, I mentioned this in the story, and this is kind of the, the, the thing I wanted to hit on. I think this shows if you need any further proof that the current administration at Texas is behind Sark and is willing to give him whatever he feels he needs, not just to win now, but to be the guy that can make the transition into the SEC for this football program a smooth one. The fact that you've got this kind of pool for salary for this kind of salary pool for assistant coaches contracts, uh, that to me says everything right there in terms of hey, we're you know we've seen the facilities upgrades, and I know a lot of that was on the table before Sark got here, but. Everything this administration has done for Sark, they're giving him all the tools that he needs to go get the job done. And and on top of that, Craig, now I li- this was all in a, the UT System Board of Regents on their meeting agenda, which those meetings are going to start tomorrow and Wednesday are when those meetings are going to take place. Okay. I couldn't find anything for Chris Jackson's contract in the agenda, so I don't know if that's That was be. him sitting next to Sark on the baseline Saturday, right, the I Texas game? Bel- I don't. Somebody pointed out to me and said, isn't that Chris Jackson? And I couldn't see. I was blocked off a little bit. I don't think I – no, I don't think I've no? noticed him. No. Well, I, I couldn't see for sure, and somebody thought that they saw him sitting. The only with time Sark I really paid attention to Sark was he was he was up walking around like around halftime. So, okay, um, but at any rate, so I couldn't find Chris Jackson's contract on the Regents' meeting agenda. But I think this points to not just the the fact that the administration is valuing stability for once around the football program for the first time in a long time, and kind of, you've got some continuity with the coaching staff. I think it shows that Steve Sarkeesian did a really good job of putting together an initial staff. And that's not something that we've seen all the time at Texas. Like, love Charlie Strong, but I think everybody listening now can agree. That initial staff, with the exception of a coach or two, it was an abject failure. It was a disaster, that initial staff. Yeah. And we can see on Tom Herman's initial staff, even though that staff – won 10 games and a New Year's Six Bowl the following year in 2018. Man, in 2017, you can see there's uh, there's some chinks in the armor here. There's, there's a couple holes in the boat still that, that need to get plugged up. <laughs> yeah. So and, and we saw by the end of year three, most of that initial staff for Tom Herman was out. A lot of those guys got replaced. And, you know, if, if Texas has a season more similar to, to 2021 than 2022, you'll see some changes. But I think don't dismiss the fact that a coach – is really good at hiring people and that being a valuable skill. I think that was one of the best things, one of the best qualities Mac Brown brought to the table was his ability to hire good assistant coaches. And you can count Mac's hits, <coughs> excuse me, a lot more than you can count his misses. Like, yeah, there's, there's Larry McDuff, but you've also got that initial staff was with him for a while. And, and when it was came time to replace coaches, like Everett Withers moves on and takes an NFL job, you bring in Dwayne Aquina. Uh, you know, go go down the line and find you know, defensive coordinators. Uh, you know, hey, Gene Chizik leaves. Yeah, you bring in Larry McDuff, but then you bring in Will Muschamp. Uh, you know, Ken Rucker. You want to put him in an off-field role? You bring in Major Appleby. Major did a really good job recruiting while he was at Texas. So that was one of Mac's best traits: was the ability to always have that Rolodex handy and hire really good assistant coaches. I think you can say the same thing about Stark because I really liked this initial staff when it was put together. You moved on from Andre Coleman. I say what you want about Brendan Marion; that was an upgrade from Andre Coleman, and now you've got Chris Jackson with Brendan Marion moving on. So, uh, and I think there's no question you're as good in as good of a situation or better. 
with Tashard Choice replacing Stan Drayton when he moved on and got a head coaching job. So I, I just think this speaks to not just the administrative support, I think also the fact that Steve Sarkeesian knows how to put together a staff and did a really good job putting together that initial staff, especially the strides we saw all of these assistant coaches make with their position groups from year one to year two. All right. Uh, there's our uh, Longhorn Notebook for uh, this hour. Abram Midland says, any XFL talk? I uh, I enjoyed watching the weekend. The Brahmas had a great fan turnout and showed how the extra point rules in the fourth and 15 after scoring can really swing a game. In the NFL, the Battle Hawks would have had near zero chance of coming back. I watched five minutes of the XFL. I think it's about all I did as well. Look, I, and, I, and I have nothing against them. I mean, no. I'll probably watch some more, but... I had so much going on, uh, obviously, Saturday and getting back and all that. It just, it, it, you know, it was like watch for a little bit, flip, flip back, saw a little bit more. Didn't get to see any yesterday with the women's game and all that, but, I but the I'll dunk, probably watch I more. picked the dunk contest over Did you? the XFL. Yeah. Okay. Watch, you, you watch, Mac McClung. watch Mac McClung save the dunk contest. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yes, Texter, we we know now the cake was not baked. That cake had salmonella or something. I don't know. It was it was not it was not very good. There you go. Exploded <laughs> you go. in the oven. Somebody point out Vic Schaefer is so intense. Early in that game yesterday, Texas was up like fifteen to two, and if you didn't know the score, you would have thought they were down rather than up. Your thoughts on his intensity throughout the game. He's always had that. He was like that at Mississippi State. Uh, that's that's his his way of doing it of coaching and his players know that uh, he's very and and a lot of time the intensity may not we may not have a total read on what he's being intense about sometimes it's about the way his team is not executing they made three or four at least passes into a crowded post that turned into turnovers yesterday and that'll drive him through the roof uh, upset with some substandard officiating. He'll, he'll get pretty worked up about that. Well, this is like he's told he's told us on this show and he's told you, you know, as intense as he is, the drive to win and to get where he wants his program to be, it's a miserable way to live. That's what he says. <laughs> it's a miserable way to live. He, he's like that. So, it it yeah. really is for some of these coaches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know he incredibly deeply cares about his players. And then, by the way, I don't know if you, if you were at the building yesterday, you would have seen when the game was over, Vic stood around with the players – because uh, they'll they'll do post game autographs and signed every single autograph and took every single picture and uh, and was as warm and engaging with everybody yeah. afterwards. I mean it's 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 a different persona. I mean when he gets on the floor, he's dialed in. That's just that's the way he's built. Yeah, I like this text that I think the defense uh, the the initial defensive staff has done a tremendous job, especially after the skepticism of hiring some position coaches before the defensive coordinator. You know, we knew there was a talent deficiency. There was going to be issues. Does that excuse how bad the defense was in 2021? No. But we saw that group improve. They got better. A year in the system, a year for PK and these assistant coaches to get on the same page. And when we saw the product, and uh, I've actually got a uh, one of our reels up on our, our Horn Instagram account, on our social media, talking about, hey, with the central nervous system of that defense, especially if, if Jalen Catalan is healthy for a whole year, they've got the tools to have one of the better defenses in the Big 12 again next year, and then Ice Cream Maine to finish it off. said, I would rather hear y'all talk about who the Cowboys are going to draft in the seventh round than XFL talk. <laughs> there you go. It, it depends on your your perspective on uh, all of that. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll have Inconceivables. We continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Light the tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. 
Now, you were out on Friday, Jeff, so, um, you know, uh, fortunately, Charlotte's able to get, you know, get the medication and, yep. and get healthy again. But we missed Cam having, uh, I mean, you missed out on Cam having a, you know, really good contribution. It's inconceivable. It's good to know Cameron's contributing to the presentation a lot yeah. more recently. Yeah, we wanted to, wanted to have that uh, on that. Um, I got a, I got a variety of things uh, to get to here. One of those was sent to me by none other than my uh, newlywed bride. Uh, she she discovered this this morning. Um, I, I've forgotten where you stand on this issue. Uh, it's not an issue or just this this thing. And I'll get Camus both of uh, both of your opinions on this. Have you given much thought to how you would like your earthly remains to be disposed of? Um, I figure I'm probably going to leave this earth before my wife does. So I just told her, just cremate me and just figure out what to do with it after that. Okay. You want to keep me in a box or whatever? I think if you do that, I think she should spread your ashes over Stampede Stadium. I, I hope she does not do that. That would be the last thing I would want done. Okay. No disrespect to my old stomping grounds. Okay. Okay. Like, dude, and I'm like, do it cheaply as possible. You need to go Big Lebowski style and just put me in a Folgers can. I'm fine with that. It's, okay. All right. I, to quote the late, great Mike Leach, I'm dead. What do I care? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Cam, you've just really kind of begun your life, but you given any thought to how you'd want to uh, your last earthly remnants to be uh, – disposed of i feel the same way by the late great mike leach okay really just do not care okay just don't like just don't feed me to sharks or something you know okay or or to the gators or anything like that well well, how about this here here's the you mentioned cremation yeah um there is a new method of cremation and it's seems like there should only be one but okay well this one you talk about thinking outside the box it's called water cremation Okay, Um, and uh, in recent years, cremation has become the most common method of postmortem body disposition, growing from around 34 percent in 2006 to 57 and a half percent in 2021. I think because it's cheaper, honestly. Well, that that's a big factor that when when my wife asked for cremation, told me it wasn't it wasn't the money thing. She just like, eh. You know, it, so it was, and she wanted her ashes scattered at Sunset Beach, North Carolina, and that's what yeah. we did. Nice, you know awesome. that that kind of thing. But my mom, you know, we had her uh, her memorial back in November, and she wanted to be buried beside her husband. So, uh, you know, we certainly honored that request. Well, there's two types of cremation offered in the U.S. The more common method is the flame-based, in which a body is placed into an extremely hot chamber, and after around two hours, it turns... Cremation sound like burgers, like a flame-based. It is. It's flame-broiled. It goes into an extremely hot chamber, and after around two hours, it turns into ash and mineral fragments. Then there is... Here's the other thing. I don't know if you've ever... I'd never heard of this. Alkaline hydrolysis, or water cremation, which uses hot water alkaline chemicals and pressure to break down a body in four to five hours now the cremation association of north america you don't have a membership to the cremation association no i missed the deadline for to to apply okay well they say the latter is gentler and it's also more environmentally friendly and yields more remains compared to flame-based cremation 
But despite its favorable reputation, some water cremation is illegal in over 20 states, including Texas. Really? Yep. Now, Senate Bill 150, filed by State Senator Nathan Johnson, is hoping to change that. Um, so, so the conversation is going on on that. Why is it? Why is it illegal? Uh, well, it's mainly faith-based or religious-based. For example, um, one organization that does not think that alkaline hydrolysis should be legal in the state is the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. Quote, we will continue to oppose these bills, says Jennifer Allman, the executive director of that conference. Alkaline hydrolysis fails to treat the body with dignity and respect. Uh, uh, so, anyway, they said... That, and then the person with the other cremation association said, I respect what they're saying, but if they personally don't like it or if they feel water cremation is disrespectful to the body, they're under no obligation to choose alkaline hydrolysis. But it's important for me, it's very important for me for families to at least have the option and exercise the rights to freedom when it comes to body there disposition. You uh, like, you know, it varies from person to person. Like right. my, my grandmother, when she passed away, she was a devout Catholic, so she wanted to go whole, like no organ donation, right. nothing. Right. That's just that's just how she rolled. Yeah. That's just what she thought. So. <laughs> hey, you love to uh, quote uh, Luther from Coach. Remember, he was like, <laughs> "Hook me up to every possible machine if I'm on life support. Don't pull the plug on me. It's like whatever you do, if there's even just one part of me still alive, keep it going." Uh, oh man. Yeah. Uh, speaking. We got a coach reference. We can just quit for the rest of the day. Speaking of death, um, prosecutors in Romania said on Saturday they've opened a criminal investigation into five doctors suspected of reusing hundreds of medical implants extracted from dead patients. So taking body parts out of the dead, you know, kind of a body snatchers kind of. Is it talking about like if you got like a like steel rods or a plate somewhere? Well, one of the five doctors who was working at a hospital in the eastern Romanian city of Iasi has been taken into custody pending the investigation on charges of abuse of power and bribe taking. They say the unnamed doctor oversaw a network of four other physicians who provided him with cardiac implants extracted from deceased patients without prior approval from them or their family. The prosecutors allege the doctor performed 238 surgeries over seven years illegally using implants extracted from dead patients or of unknown providence and putting his patients at risk of serious complications or death. So, yeah. there's a, Now, think about this for a moment, Jeff. This is taking place in Romania. Mm-hmm. You know what's in Romania, don't you? The Carpathian Mountains. You know what's in the Carpathian Mountains, don't you? The province of Transylvania. And you know what's in Transylvania. That's where Count Dracula lived. So all they're doing is just, you know, yeah. regenerating, you know. Now here, can I ask a dumb question? Okay. I honestly don't know the answer. Okay. Uh, when you die and you're cremated, like let's say you've got a plate somewhere, you know. Yeah. Do they take, does the, the mortuary, do they take out like all medical screws and plates? And if you got like a rod in your leg, I, I don't know. Or do they let it burn? I don't think they, I don't think it okay. Well, I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or does it like when you're cremated? Does it all just kind of melt together? Like, is it that hot? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't because like, don't they take out like if you have dental implants? Don't they take those out? They give metal dental implants. I think. You're asking me about an area of which I know not. Okay. okay. Well, you yeah. you're such a uh, a sea of knowledge. That one I don't know. Okay. That one I don't know. Specs text line three three seven three seven seven six. Ah, okay. Uh, 
Somebody said, how about an old mafia trick for uh, body disposal? Soak the body in the bathtub filled with lye. Yeah, that's uh, you could do that. So, somebody said, I want to be stuffed and brought out during the holidays. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe a Santa suit on or something like that. Okay. Um, uh, have, have you ever adopted a dog? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, in, Sorry, I'm just, just the idea of like, hey, what are we going to do with Grandpa? Let's just stuff him and put him in the rocking chair. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, in the Buffalo Niagara Falls area, there's a dog named Ralphie, French Bulldog. It's been returned to the shelter there for the third time. Oh, no. Because the dog has been described as a jerk dog. Uh, it uh, the, the latest lady to return said Ralphie proved to be more than she could handle. Uh, said the dog is kind of a canine menace uh and uh they it went viral back in january an eye-catching ad for potential adopters uh ralphie was described as a terror in a somewhat small package quote everything belongs to him if you dare test his ability to possess the things wrath will ensue this is ralphie's third unsuccessful adoption according to the shelter the uh, family the dog's first family uh, rehomed him after training was unsuccessful. Second family surrendered him to the shelter after he annoyed their older dog. Quote, what they actually meant was, Ralphie is a fire-breathing demon and will eat our dog. But hey, he's only 26 pounds, read a Facebook post. He's now enrolled in an intensive six-week boarding and training program that starts today. The shelter said that they would start vetting prospective adopters immediately and that the ideal adopter would work with the trainer while Ralphie is at the residential training. They, the shelter noted that, quote, those who believe that all Ralphie needs is love should not apply. <laughs> he will totally exploit that. All right, so he's very territorial, which makes him like every other dog that I've ever known in my life. Yeah, but it sounds like he's beyond that. Well... <laughs> Something to consider. All right. Hour number two of Light the Tower coming up on the horn.